Pure Chiss Saskatchewan are at the post of the team. Champions again! This is Jeff Shatler. You're listening to the Rush Hour Podcast. This is the Rush Hour Podcast presented by Original 16, the best beer in the game. I'm your host, Cody Jansen, voice of the Rush, all season long on this episode. Get you set for the offseason. A long dive into everything. The season it was, the future, what went wrong, what's got to change, the outlook on the coaching situation, everything and anything with Derek Keenan. We're going to look at, I mean, really, it is. We cover the, the season it was top to bottom. We look at the prospects coming up. We look at some rule changes made by the CLA, the PLL's decision, Everything is on the table, and we're going to dive into all of that with General Manager Derek Keenan. Great interview coming up. Plus, my season MVP, who I picked, Robert Church, led the team in scoring this season, was really the leader that this team could depend on, scored probably the biggest goal of the season. When you look back at that Colorado overtime win at home, really Mr. Consistent in green this year. Always a fun interview. Bobby's a great guy. But first... Got to give a shout out to Original 16. They've been supporting us all season long. Best beer in the game. Everyone who's been to the Sastel Center knows you're getting an 016 when you're in Saskatchewan. The absolute best. So let's get to the fun stuff now. A couple of great interviews. Sit back and enjoy. Derek Keenan, the general manager of the Rush, won't be on the bench next season, but he really opens up in this one. Enjoy. It's the Rush Hour Podcast presented by Original 16, Cody Jansen, and joined now by General Manager. Uh, Derek, can we call you a retired head coach, associate head coach now officially? Yeah, you can say that for sure. General Manager only. Yes. There, there we go. Okay. He's done his bench boss duties. Derek, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Good. How are you, Cody? Doing good. Doing good. Let's look back on the season because the final weekend in Fort Worth, I mean, I think a lot of people might have just been writing it off as a meaningless game, but I think there was a lot of learning lessons that, that came from it from your perspective, and I'm interested to hear because obviously the main storyline we're following is Cameron Dunkerley getting his first start, so I want to hear from your perspective what you thought of that. Well, I mean, first of all, like going into the weekend, we, we treated it as we would any game. You know, we weren't playing for draft positions or anything like that. We wanted to kind of really prove, most importantly to ourselves and the players, that we we are or were a better team than than our record showed. And I think we proved that down the stretch. Unfortunately, we we didn't get enough wins to make the playoffs, and uh, you know that that's a tough part. But in terms of Dunkley, you know, it was a it was a the best opportunity possible for us to get a look at, see what he can really do because we haven't really seen him much, you know, like, you know, drafted like three years ago, we had, he was on the practice roster with the shortened season. Then we had a complete cancellation. And then last training camp, we really, you know, we only played two kind of quick exhibition games in Toronto when we, you know, we saw mostly shoot cause we wanted to get him ready. So we, we hadn't really seen him, And uh, that was the opportunity to, see what he can do. And uh, we thought he was quite good. He was a little nervous, I thought, in the first half. But I thought second half, he made some real good saves and showed his athleticism, his quickness. And, you know, he's a different style goalie. You know, he, he uses his quickness and um, his, his sort of, he, he's a he's a reactionary goalie. Uh, he sees the ball well. 
And when he sees it, he has a good chance to stop it. So we thought he played well. What's your expectation for him next year? Well, we're, it's going to be one of our biggest decisions and, and biggest, you know, areas we need to make sure we're solid because, you know, this year, uh, and, and again, I'll say it no different than I would have said earlier, like not certainly not all on, on shooter because early in the year when we were losing one goal games, a lot of it was weren't scoring enough. We were losing, you know, 10, 9, 9, 8 games and, and those type of games that if our offense had have been a little more cohesive, I think we would have probably pulled a couple of those out and, and we'd be in the playoffs right now. So, but um, we're going to, we're going to probably have for sure four goalies at camp. Cause right now we have four with what happened to Penny at the end there with the appendix. So he's on, he's on uh, uh, PUP right now. So as, a, as the season ends, which has ended for us, he'll stay on there. And uh, now, um, you know, Don Curley will be a free agent because he's a practice roster guy. My um, Penny is not. Um, Hrushka would also be a free agent because he's a practice roster guy. But you know we got a couple young guys there and a couple more veteran guys to look at, and and we'll see what else is out there as well. It could be a real hardcore competition for for goaltending spots next year at camp. What was your thoughts on you know the the couple weeks you did really get to see Rushka you know on the floor with you guys? He was good. You know he's 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 still very raw, uh, but. What I like about him is how hard he's worked and the commitment he's made to play at the highest level possible for him to try and get better. And, uh, you know, he'll be back in Ontario this summer. You know, everybody's got to remember, he's still got a year of junior A left. So he's only 20. Um, You know, he'll get playing on a real good team this summer, Mimico, and, and he'll probably be their guy and he'll get lots of opportunity there. So, but from what we saw, we like his work ethic, uh, um, you know, NLL is a big jump for a kid and, uh, he's obviously highly guarded with a first round pick from Georgia. And we had an opportunity there at the end, really had a circumstance that we had a chance to sign him as a free agent. So, um, we'll see what he looks like as well. And, uh, you know, I, I think a bright future for him, but you got to remember goalies typically take a little longer to develop and, you know, uh, Christian Del Bianco is a bit of an outlier there, uh, maybe a Dylan Ward who came in as a number one right away, but usually they don't, they take a bit of time to develop. Am I crazy in thinking, and again, this is a bit of a, a long shot comparison, but just in the way Dunkerley plays, you can tell he's watched a lot of Christian Del Bianco. I, I don't know whether he actually has or not, but <laughs> he, he plays that way. Like he, he reacts extremely well to the ball. Um, you know, he, and he doesn't really give and take or anything like some goalies that are a little smaller do. He just, he plays basically his angles and then he tries to see the ball and react to it. And, uh, um, you know, he, he'll, he'll get beat. Like you, you, you saw him get beat a couple times where he couldn't really see it and they were labeled to a corner. And he's not going to typically stop those because he's not a huge guy and, and he's not covering a lot of, I didn't say a lot of net, but not covering the entire net like some guys do in our league. So he needs to see it, react to it. And when he when he has a good vision and, and can see it, he's got a real good chance of making a save. What did you think was the difference in Adam Shute's games in those you know last couple of games of the season that he started compared to the ones earlier in the year? Because he looked a little bit more looser, confident. I, I know San Diego put 14 past him, but again, he was making some timely saves, I thought. He did for sure. Yeah. 
I think we played better in front of them. Like, uh, you know, um, we, we scored more for one and that, that kind of goes back to our old, not our old team, but the way our team has always been really for the last, you know, almost 10 years. I mean, we have missed the playoffs since 2011. So really since we went to the final in 12, we've been a pretty competitive team and we were, and especially when we started to build our offense, you know, um, we were a team that could always answer. And I felt early on in the season, we just didn't. And uh, um, there, there just wasn't enough confidence, I think, you know, from our defensive and goaltending perspective that we were going to go down and answer, which, which we typically would. Now, later in the season, we did. And in all four of those games, we had an answer. You know, like Jimmy said a lot toward the end, we punched back and we punched last. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that was our team, the way we had been for a long time, and we showed a lot more of that. So that's going to make the goaltenders feel a lot more confident, too. And I think that was a big thing with Shooter is, you know, he, he felt pretty confident. Yeah, if he let one in, that we were going to go down and get one for him. So, and there wasn't enough of that early part of the season. Why do you think the offense started to take off over the last four games? Well, I think they relaxed. And, you know, three out of the four, we, we had something to play for. I mean, we had something to play for every game, but we were still alive. And, um, and they were all, like, playing teams that were fighting for a spot or in a spot or fighting for, for positioning. So they were important games. Um, confidence was a big thing. They, they played looser. Um, guys started to perform. You know, Mark, Mark played better. Um, Ryan played better. Uh, you know, Robert was pretty consistent the entire year. I thought Josh Currier played better. You know, when Marshall played the two out of the four last games, he played quite well. Um, he started to show some confidence and a bit of swagger and kind of show what he's going to bring in the future once he gets, you know, a little bit bigger, stronger, faster. So um, I just think it was more of a confidence thing and uh, um, just relaxing a little bit and not squeezing the sticks. How do you assess uh, the last four games where Jimmy Quinlan gets the promotion to associate head coach and just the role he played? He played a big role. I mean, I, I'll be honest, Cody, like I didn't really do a whole lot. Like I just guided him, gave him advice, told him right from the get-go, this is yours. You know, I, I want you to do things your way, not my way or what you think is my way. And, and he took control of it all and he did an outstanding job. So obviously we talked after the change was made, but what changes did you see then with him, you know, taking the reins? Um, I don't know. Somehow he got the guys to start having fun again and relaxing. And, and that comes with winning, right? Like that's just, you know, it's no fun losing, especially when you're, you're with a group that's had so much success. Um, you know, I think he had a pretty good understanding of, the kind of sacrifice these guys make, you know, in their lives and uh, to come in every weekend. And, you know, it's, it's not, it's a grind. Like it really is. And I'm not, you know, like, I, it's not like they're playing other professional sports where they're making gazillions of dollars. You know, it's, it's a grind. They do it because they love the game. And I think he, he sort of made recognition of that. And they really started to like to play the game again and enjoy it and have fun and, right, you know, from practices and, and, and warm-ups and everything. Like, the guys kind of got back to enjoying the game again. 
seemed like it for sure with the practices, the pregame shootarounds. It was definitely a you know lighter feeling around the team, at least from what I noticed. Was there any players who I guess surprised you? Maybe isn't the best term, but is there anyone you look back on individually or just a couple of guys you can think of off the top of your head that are like, hey, you know what? They showed up more than I expected at the start of the year. Uh, Bobby Kidd and Connor McClellan, you know, those those would be the two right off the top of the head. Those are easy answers, actually, for me. I mean, we had we had a pretty good idea what they were both going to bring. Um. You know, when people start asking questions, well, why would you, you know, protect this guy and not that guy? And, you know, especially with Connor McClellan, well, we've known for a long time, even before we drafted him, that Connor McClellan's a really good lacrosse player. Like, I've watched him play for a long time, you know, being an Ontario kid. And, um, you know, he just he just has all the instincts on how to play the game and, and, and pull it and play it you know, all over the floor too. Like we could play him on offense. No problem. You know, he's great on the face-off teams. He's great in transition. He's, he's a very, very smart defender because he's got good feet and he's got good instincts. He needs to get stronger. Absolutely. And if he does that, if he puts the work in there and puts on 10, 15 pounds of muscle, you know, you're looking at a Chris Corbeil type player for a long time. Um, with probably, you know, even better skills. So uh, we, we really, we, we knew what we were getting there. Bobby, Bobby was a little bit of a project we thought turned out not to be a project because he just committed so hard to playing good defense and making that his number one priority because, you know, you know our, my Western scout, Darren Fred, saw him a lot. We watched him a lot online. I don't know if I ever saw him play live. I don't think so. So watched him a lot. And what we saw was this fabulous athlete who was a little bit of a wild stallion who just kind of ran over the floor and, you know, took shots all the time and, you know, cheated a little bit. And we didn't see any of that when he came to camp. We saw a guy that really wanted to learn our defense, really wanted to be good at it. And then once he kind of grasped the hold of that, then you saw the other parts of his game coming out about halfway through and then the rest of the season. And you could really see what he can do uh, on the floor, which is a lot. He's his athleticism is, is off the charts and he can literally just run by people with, without any effort. And he's got some finish to him. And, uh, but really impressed with how he, he just said, I'm going to be a really good defender in this league first and foremost, and everything else comes naturally to him. So, you know, I got a lot of time for a guy who really focused on that part of his game and, like he just listened from day one at camp and our camps are very short, but I think he really took it to heart when we said, you know, the guys that play at this end of the floor in between the lines, the number one priority is to play defense and play good defense and, and, and be honest and not cheat. And he took that to heart and he was outstanding. Well, I heard from multiple people around the league really that they thought Bobby Kidd could be a top five, you know, athletic player in the league just the way he is as an athlete a lot of his attributes and yeah it showed just the way he could play defense against some really damn good offensive players and also push the pace but when you look at this you know the rookies you had this season some of the younger guys and then prospects you've drafted as well you think of Boudreaux Barnable of course do you think you got one of the best rookie pools in the league right now 
I, I think so. Like, I, I really believe if now you got to look at, look at a hold in Garland too, you know, who he'd only played a half season in the NLL prior to this year. So, you know, look at how he played. So put him in that group, you know, and then you add the two guys next year, like there's five studs, you know, at the back door um, to go along with what we already have. And, uh, you know, and there's just very, very bright. And, and we need to, you know, we need to fill that gap because, you know, free agency and, and guys getting a little bit older, um, you know, we need to make sure that we're conscious of that. And we've done a pretty good job, I think, of, of kind of anticipating our back end needs. Um, now we got to kind of move toward our front end needs as we go forward here. So that's going to be the focus in the draft, I would assume. Yeah, I think we're going to pick sixth. I believe the way things are right now. I mean, I don't think that's going to change because we're, you know, there's five, would be six. Yeah, six because Georgia finished ahead of us. So uh, the expansion team, and then and then, yeah. So we pick six. So yeah, I, I think we're we're looking probably on the ON now. Part um, and this is going to go on. I think for even another year after this year, we're still in the COVID draft. We're still in the you know, the extra year of school. So just like the two guys we drafted last year, it could very well be that the guy we draft might not play until a year after. We don't know that yet. Um, we'll know more of that closer to the draft, but, uh, you know, no different than like when Jeff T was drafted in Donville this year and a number of other guys who, who won't play until next year. So, um, but uh, that'll be, that'll be our focus. I think, um, you know, we always have an attitude though of taking, the best player available, but at, you know, if, if we were to be honest here, like I think we're going to be looking at the best offensive player available and, and probably a righty, but it may not work out that way. I mean, you know, just, you know, there, there could be teams ahead of us that are looking for the same thing. Um, but uh, that'll be our focus. And then, you know, and then there's free agency too. Again, we, we got to be conscious of age and, like, I don't think we're going to be going after any 35-year-old UFAs or, or older guys like that. But if there's, you know, a guy in the 30 range who really makes sense, who I think can really help us, then we'll get in that game too. Back to the rookies here for a second. Yeah, I mean, we've heard your thoughts, your Jimmy's thoughts on Boudreaux, Barnable. Two of the guys I want to ask about, though, Ethan Forgrave, a kid you drafted, uh, you know, a smaller yeah. O guy, and then Luke Keenan as well. I mean, give me the details on them. Do you think they got a chance at camp next year? And, and as well, I'll throw Clark Walter into the mix because you got to see yeah. him on the practice roster this year. Yeah, I mean, uh Ethan, Ethan, we saw a little bit. Like he, he joined us there one weekend, uh, our last home game, which was great. He's finished his school year, and uh, um, he's got one semester left at McGill, but um, he's got real good skills. Uh, he did a little shoot around with us there uh, in the morning, and I noticed right away he can shoot the ball. So, you know, he's, he's a good player. I mean, he's another guy who's going to play at a higher level this summer out west, which is awesome. That's what we want guys to do. Same with our local kid. Keegan White, he's going to play Senior A and, and Burnaby this summer, which is great. He's another guy we like down the road, too, because of his, he's just such a good athlete. So, um, But um, Luke Keenan, hard to say, hasn't played lacrosse in a number of years, finished his hockey career at Princeton this year. I want to see if he plays any lacrosse this summer. 
Um, if he does, then, you know, we'd like to see him at camp. If he doesn't, then, you know, probably not because he really hasn't played a lot the last couple of years. So, um, and then Clark, you know, Clark, we actually put on signed to a protected practice roster spot at the end of the season, which means he can't be a free agent. He can be an RFA, but he can't be a UFA. So he wants to come back with us. We, we really, really think highly of him. Um, like in a big way because um, he just he can do a lot of different things and uh, like if we have if we have a need on our left side left side offense we we think we know he can play there it might be his more kind of natural spot down the road but he can also play out the back door and run run the floor well and he only played one game for us, played in Albany. Wasn't a very good game for a team overall, but he played quite well. And then he got hurt at practice not long after that, so we didn't see him for a while. But he's rehabbed now, and he's ready to go. So we, we really think highly of him, and uh, I think he's going to be with us next year in some capacity. So I saw an article about four years back or so, maybe it's five years back now, regarding Luke Keenan. And I know he was a high junior A draft pick, but I think the quote from the writer was like, watch out for him. He could be the next Chris Corbeil. Do you remember watching Luke Keenan and, and thinking that there is that potential for, you know, just an all-round athlete who can be an elite guy coming out of the back end and pushing in transition? Well, that's it. I mean, we, we, uh, that's why we drafted him. I mean, we knew he wasn't going to play for a while because of his commitment to hockey at Princeton, but he's a very, very good athlete, very intelligent guy. Um, you know, I coached him in junior a little bit. We thought he was going to be an old guy, to be honest. Like he came up, I think he played as a midget his last year of midget. He played junior a with us in Whitby and, uh, and Ryan played with him the last couple of years there. But then we kind of, moved him to a different role and we thought he was really a lot better in that role because he was very ran the floor really well with with good skills and he was conscientious defender so I think he kind of molded more into that role later on too after I was finished coaching there so yeah we look at a guy like that if he decides to commit to playing lacrosse we think he can play at a high level so but he's got to like I said he's got to get back playing again though when do those conversations happen? Like, are you talking with him and saying like, Hey, you know, we'd love to have you, but you got to play summer ball. Like have those already started? Well, I talked to him about it last summer, but last summer was a little weird because we, there wasn't really much lacrosse. So, Fair. but we'll have that conversation again and uh, see what he wants to do. Fair. Okay. When you look at the off season here, Obviously, there's some big names. Let's not beat around the bush. They're going to be UFAs that those those conversations are, are likely going to be happening soon if they haven't already, you know, especially out of the back gate. What's what's the mentality moving forward? You know, how many do you think you can keep out of the back end? Do you think it's possible that all three return? Or um, Anything's possible, but we, we also have to be conscious of of our age. Now, the three guys you're referring to, they all had really good years. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like, you know, Rubish, it might have been his best year in, in, in some time. Like, he was, I thought he was ridiculous this year. Like, I mean, I, I sure wish, I, I wish we had better statisticians because it's caused turnover. Yep. Like, numbers are, are absolute 
travesty compared to what they actually are. Like I looked at the game last week in Fort Worth and they, they treaded them with one. <laughs> like it's, it seemed to me that every time a guy on his side of the floor tried to run by and the ball was on the turf. So like, that's, that's a cause turnover, <laughs> like, and uh, knocking down balls and picking off passes and, and Dilk's the same thing. Like he's, you know, and Corbeil being a great leader and, and that and, and always having a tough assignments. Like they played really well. So, you know, we have to sort of be conscious of two young guys that we want to play next year. Um, you know, a couple other young guys that are on our practice roster this year that maybe we want to move into the mold as well. Um, there's financial concerns if you know, if we want to say pursue a free agent, a younger guy, free agent on the O end, you know, we got to be a little bit conscious of that too. So there's, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, expansion, obviously that's the other thing again, right? We have another expansion here, so we're going to lose a guy and, uh, it's not easy to always lose players the last four or five years. Right. So, um, we have to be aware of that and who we're going to protect and who we're not going to protect. And, um, you know, if I were, if I were a betting man, I would say we're going to get one back for sure. Um, maybe two, all three, uh, questionable. So, um, that's kind of, I, I think one for sure. And then we'll kind of see what happens. Is Lintner a UFA this summer as well? I believe so. He's a UFA as well, yeah. And yeah. you have those conversation yeah. starts? I mean, I feel like that's yeah, a natural we, fit we, just being a Whitby kid. We, we, yeah, we just like, I mean, he did exactly what I, I thought actually too. If he, he struggled early in the year, um, mainly, mainly to catch the ball. I think maybe because he hadn't really played in a bit. He, then he changed his stick and that seemed to help him. But he really became the guy that we knew he would be great power play guy, you know, um, a pain in the ass to play against off ball because he sets really hard picks. You know, he gets under guys skin, gets open. Um, you know, he, he's, 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 a, I mean, he got, I don't know, like 27, 28, you know, I thought he probably would have got 35 if he had been better the first few games. But at the end of the day, we really got what we wanted out of him and we like to bring him back. You did have a career high points wise as well. Um, you mentioned the expansion draft with Vegas uh, coming into the league. Is it the same as uh, last year or two years ago? I guess as well with the you can protect either eleven or twelve players depending on how many uh, forwards you pick. Yes. Now you can also yes. Uh, you can. The only way you can protect twelve is if you go four. O and eight D and no goalies. So you can't so go four, you seven and that. one. Uh, sorry. You can go four, seven and one. You can go. Yes, you can. Or you can go five, five, six and one. So yeah. Yeah. You can go five Oh, if you want, which is what we did last year. I believe last time around we went, I think we went five, can't remember now, I'd be honest. Like, I know we didn't protect a goalie. So, but we didn't go four and eight. So we must have gone five, five and seven, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Five and seven. So, 
How much of your off-season conversation does that consume, though, too? Just talking about that, like, is that as big of, uh, you know, keep you up at night as many people think? Yeah, we've already talked a lot about it, actually, to be honest. Like, we we already have, like, you know, just based on some performances this year. And, um, you know, we we have talked a lot about it. it. It does consume a lot of time because... It's never easy because, you know, we, we, let's face it, every year since expansion, you know, we haven't lost crappy players. We've lost really good players. And, and in many cases, right, not in many, in two cases in particular, we gave up big assets to get them back. You know, we gave up two first-rounders to get Brett Mitski back because that particular year both – Dilks and Cornwall weren't going to play because of their firefighting commitments. Then we gave up a first rounder to, to New York to get Cornwall back the next year. And, uh, you know, so that, that was a lot like, and so that's kind of future stuff you give up, but you know, for the right reasons and, you know, but um, it's, it's hurt us. Like we lost Curtis Knight, of course, who, who we'd love to have Curtis on our team still. You know, but we lost him to expansion and, you know, we lost Adrian Sarchetti to expansion and, um, you know, they add up over time. Right. So, um, you know, well, uh, Matt Hossack, like, you know, we wouldn't like to see Matt Hossack in our lineup right now. Um, you know, that was one of those decisions that kind of came down between him and McClellan. Then we we chose McClellan because McClellan was a little younger. Uh, McClellan was a left shot, which we felt we had a little bit more need for. And of course, you know, we lost Haas, which we didn't really want to do, but that's life. It's the end of the day. I think expansion's good for the players. It's crappy for GMs. It's not good for fans, but for uh, teams that are losing players, but you know, you tend to just kind of, you know, um, do your, do your best to try and keep your core and, and your, but like I said, we've lost good players, you know, some other teams haven't lost great players. Like it hasn't been that big of a deal to them, but when you were as good as we were for so long, we were going to lose good players. And uh, that, that's painful. Obviously it sucks for the teams uh, more than the league itself. Cause I think the league benefits off the parody that happens because of expansion drafts. I want to ask about the playoff format. Cause it was an interesting debate I was seeing on social media. I mean, it's got to change now, right? It's got to go to four and four. There can't be a wild card spot if there's only one more team in the East. Like, does, does that affect or does that go through your head at all being like, well, this sucks. There's only three well, Western teams getting in. Uh, uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'm on the competition committee and I voice my thoughts on it. Okay, for one, this was only supposed to be a one-year thing, right? And that's like actually in the notes and minutes of our meetings. And now some guys in the East kind of want to think they want to change it again. Well, I said, no problem at all. If you want to do that, then let's make it all round. If we have five better teams in the West, then we'll have five teams in the playoffs because it could happen very easily. So it should go back to the old format. I, I was in complete favor of it because at two teams, like six versus eight, that's a big difference. But not when it's one team. It should go back to four and four, without a doubt. 
I think we're on the same page there as well. Hey, I got a couple other quick ones for you. And, and obviously, it's it's not directly NLL related, but summer ball, you've spent a lot of time. And I know I just talked with Robert Church the other day, and he really brought up some interesting points. Do you think that it's not a direct shot at the PLL, but do you think that's hurting, you know, some of the development of players, not allowing them to to really play indoor over summer if they are playing the field game and making a little bit more money? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to get you in hot I water, but I think it's an interesting conversation that people do do value your opinion. Water. You're, you're not going to get me in hot water because there's a lot of people that know me that know what I really think of the summer game. Okay. So the fact that I, I love, I mean, I want the guys to play as long as, as long as they don't get hurt, which has happened in the past. But, you know, the most recent kind of communication between our two major leagues, meaning in BC and Ontario, with the PLL, is a bit of a travesty because it's not an amateur sport anymore in Ontario. Like, it's, sorry, in, in Canada. The Man Cup's not an amateur sport. That's the first thing that we have to get clear here. Now, the other thing is, okay, the guys that that really want to play to develop, they're going to play. The other guys that want to play to get paid. And that's what I mean. So they want kind of want their cake and eat it too. You know, like, play play for as much and that hey nothing against the guys believe me it's not it's not the players it's the establishment right and that's what's happened with senior a lacrosse the last 20 years in in canada and it's to me it's not it's not great for the game um you know if if you look at who's won over the last 20 years basically kind of like maybe three or four organizations that's it and, and like, I, I was involved at the senior A level for four years, and that was it for me. I, like, I just couldn't do it anymore. Because basically, in Brooklyn, we couldn't really pay guys what other teams were paying, which meant guys wouldn't play. So then eventually, you trade them, and it's funny how all of a sudden they're in the lineup the next game <laughs> because they're getting paid. So to say that this is this amateur championship of Canada is garbage, Right. So now, having said that, though, I think they should really try to work something out because for the benefit of those leagues and the players, it would be nice to have the best players playing. Like, no question about it. I I just, to be honest, I think a lot of the guys are just going to play both anyway and then see what happens. Like, that's that's what I see. I mean, that's kind of what's gone on for years now, too. I mean, hey, we we all are NLL owners who, who have a lot of skin in the game, obviously. I don't think they love their guys risking getting hurt in the summer in either league, but they see the value of it. And it just, you know, it, it goes on and, you know, it, it can do Like, I think also when guys get a little bit older and they've established themselves, if they're taking care of their fitness and that, do they really need to play in the summer? Probably not. You know, especially now with 18 game seasons, training camps start sooner 
you know, I don't know that it's totally necessary and guys are doing it to make money and I'm not holding that against them either. It's not the players. It's the establishment. I knew I'd get an interesting answer out of you too. And it brings on a million other questions, but I'm going to ask one. I got to ask it. No names. We don't want to throw anyone under the bus. What's the highest you ever seen someone get paid playing senior ball? Oh, I, I really, I honestly don't know. I've heard some unbelievable numbers. Okay, I got, I got to hear like these because I, I mean, we've we've discussed it with I, other players, but I, but I, but I don't, but I don't know because I've not been involved in that from my end because the the organization that I was involved with, you know, would pay a few other kind of higher end guys, but not even really that much, just enough to kind of make them happy and not have to trade them down the road to Peterborough or Six Nations, and you know, uh, so. Are we talking? Are we talking uh, north of fifty k? Just give me a, a mental thumbs up or thumbs down. I, I believe there have there there definitely have been guys that have made that much, but um, I don't know that for positive. But I think there have been guys that have made that much. Like like I know there's guys that have said to me that like basically it's so much that my wife's kicking me out the door to play, and that's not normal for a guy who plays lacrosse all winter and has gone away from his family and. You know, so it's, it can be a fair, um, you know, a fair chunk. And again, not, not against the players. So I, I just wish the, you know, the, the senior A establishment would be more honest about what it actually is and, and stop calling the man cup an amateur championship because it's really not, you know, like it was when I played because we didn't get paid. So, you know, and it all kind of started shortly after my senior A career was over is when, when that, and I think it went on actually, to be honest, Cody, it went on before that too, like back in the sixties the and, and that when it was kind of a sort of a semi-pro thing. And there's a lot of history there, but, you know, to, to make that your number one, you know, argument that this is an amateur championship. Well, let's be honest about it. So so do you, think, do, you, do you think the NLL would ever play for the Man Cup? Do you think they could work out some agreement saying, hey, you know, you're completely lying about being amateur anyways. Why don't we just give it to the best professional league out there? No, I don't think there'd be any interest there, no. <laughs> we have we have our own championship. Okay, and, that's fair. And, that's... and believe me, like I believe me, like I like I, I love the Man Cup. I, I think it's a much like the Middle Cup, it's a hard trophy to win. Um, I, I was involved as a player and, and coaching and it's, you know, it's, it's difficult. I think a mental cup is actually even harder to win because it's a little more honest and you're not, you know, paying to bring players in and out all the time and paying guys to play and move guys around and all that stuff. But, um, you know, they're, they're hard to win and they're grinds and they're seven game series. And, um, and I got a lot of time for the players and that, that, that are involved in that, but. You know, they got to be a little more transparent in terms of what the reality is of it. Tougher to buy a Minto Cup, that's for sure. Okay, Derek, I got two more for you. I know this has gone long, but it's been awesome. So with the changes to, to Junior A, obviously, it's, it's, they've made a few more rules to streamline it with the NLL. Kind of weird in my mind, it's not being pushed down to Junior B, is obviously there's a lot of NLL players who have gone through the Junior B circuit too. Am, am I wrong in saying that the easiest change or the most obvious change that got missed is the four quarters? Because I still don't know why we're playing three periods. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the four quarters too. I think it, it's it got better pace to it. And, um, 
you know, and it's more even in terms of your benches and, and changing ends and that, like, cause there's, that's a, that's a big thing in the summer, you know, if you're the home team and you've got the better bench location for the second period, it's a big thing. So it's a much level, more level playing field, but, um, you know, it's, I think it's gotta be baby steps. You gotta remember like, uh, as a, Canadian Lacrosse Association and, and its members throughout all the provinces, you know, we're light years behind the NLL in terms of how do we make our rules? How do we evolve the game? Like we've had a competition committee now in the NLL for 20 years. We work diligently every year, every week, every month to try and make the game better. And, and that goes on consistently. So, the Canadian Lacrosse Association, they have no competition committee. They have an archaic sort of process to change rules and it takes forever. And then they typically never end up changing anyway. So I, I have a lot of time for the junior A loops. I think in both BC, I think the Prairie League and Ontario, I believe the Prairie League, I'm not positive on that. You would probably know better than I, that they're going to go to largely NLO rules because in my mind, it's a better game. And I would like to see them to go full rules because there's a still a few little ones. Like I still think the goalie sticks, they should go to the, the smaller goalie sticks. Um, yep. There's, there's a few like the crease play. I don't think they're really, they're still using the pl- the feet crossing the plane. One of the biggest things that we've done in the NLL as a competition committee, we tried to eliminate as much gray area as possible. That's, I mean, basically in the NLL, if your foot's on the white line, you're in the crease, right? There's no, well, yeah, he dove, but his feet didn't cross the plane because that's the actual rule, and it's ridiculous. Like, it's just – so, but at the, at the same time, I'll, I'll say this, and I'm, I'm involved on, the, on a sort of competition committee or advisory committee with the OLA Junior A Council, and we've had regular conversations with the new commissioner, and – they're really, they're really bought into this. And prior to the shortened sort of season they had last year, I didn't think it was going to be very good because the kids hadn't really played much lacrosse, especially indoor. A lot of them played at university or some of them, you know, didn't even play that because they were completely shut down. Like I don't think the Ivy leagues played for a couple of years. So we didn't think it was going to be very good. It was actually outstanding lacrosse. It was really good. And it was largely because of the rules. It was a faster game. It had way more tempo. There was less nonsense away from the ball. Um, the officials did a really good job of, of calling it. And uh, it was just a really good product. Like, it was an incredibly good product. And, and it just kind of showed right there that that's what difference the rules can make if they're enforced properly and, and we play a, a more high-tempo game. Well, the Ontario Summer Showcase is Exhibit A of what junior lacrosse should be. And that's kind of why I do like the ALL or the all, whatever you want to call it, because they are playing mm-hmm. NLL rules. And, and I just think it's, you know, there's a few things that, as you said, archaic is probably a fine word to, to use there. I got to ask you, though, because obviously the season doesn't go the way you want. What's your message to fans leading into next year? You know, if you can have the floor to, to say something to the fans who they obviously don't want to see this again, what would you say? Uh, I would expect to see more what you saw at the end of the season. 
You know, that was really more what our team is all about. It has been all about for a long time. You know, the, the all out 100% compete and, and the ability to overcome some adversity and, um, you know, turn the page and move on to the next thing rather than, you know, wallow in our sorrows. Like, let's just move on. I, that's, that's what I think we're going to be next year. And, and I also think that there's a, a bright future with some of our young guys and, uh, you know, I think one thing too that, and I don't, not everybody knew this, and I don't mind saying it now because I, I, I told other people, but Mark Matthews was hurt all year, and uh, that's going to get fixed over the summer. It's nothing too, too major, but you know, he he just wasn't himself, and it and it didn't allow him to train as much as he normally would. So um, he, he'll be back next year at a hundred percent, and I mean, hey, he still had like ninety-two points, and he was about. 50% this year. So, you know, I look for him to be more back to normal next year. And I think that goes to say for pretty much all of our offense, um, some guys shot a little bit below what they normally would percentage wise. And I think you saw more toward the end what they really are. So, but uh, we'll, we'll be ready to, we'll be ready to go and compete and, uh, uh, and get us back to where we belong in the playoffs and running for a championship. Derek, this has been awesome. I appreciate you taking the time. Okay. No problem, Cody. Huge thanks to Jammer for uh, hopping on. And really, he was an open book. I respect that. I respect someone who can talk about the highs and the lows. Let's get to Robert Church now, the one you all want to hear from. The star of the season, if there was one, Robert Church is on the Rush Hour podcast presented by Original 16. It's the Rush Hour podcast. Cody Jane's enjoined now by Robert Church. Led the team in scoring this season, 94 points, 38 goals. Bobby, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good, doing good. So obviously, the, the season doesn't end how you want it. You're not going to the playoffs for the first time in your career, but you do end on a four-game winning streak, and, and it's got to feel good winning the last four, especially after all the changes that have happened mid-season with you guys. Yeah, it was it was big for us to finish the season on a high note um that was kind of the goal all along was to finish strong whether or not you know there were playoff implications which there ended up being until i guess last week but uh yeah we just wanted to play hard and finish strong and play rush lacrosse because i mean we we know the coaches know that you know we're we are our roster is a playoff roster so the fact that we didn't make it is a massive disappointment but just kind of you know if anything show the league that you know we're not done we're still good and Hopefully we can uh, build off that and go into next season and, you know, kind of just write off last year and move forward. I got to ask about last weekend in Dallas. Like, what was it like seeing Dunkerley go in there and he wins his first NLL start? Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, Dunker, Junker, we call him, has been, uh, he's been awesome. He's the best teammate. He takes a million shots and stay in there as long as you want. And, you know, he's earned it. He's, he's done so well. And, you know, we were all so happy for him. Uh, I think, you know, it's, having him back there was a little extra motivation for us to, to get the win in a final game. And we were happy to do so. And it's just seeing the smile on his face was awesome. Cause he's, he's such a good kid and you know, he's got a bright future. He's a good goalie. He played an awesome game and you know, he shut the door in the second half. So yeah, we were pumped and it was great to see. What changed in the room on the floor after the coaching change this year? When, when you look back, what's the biggest difference, I guess that was noticeable. Yeah, I guess maybe just Jimmy, his, his, uh, like his demeanor and his attitude and how positive he is kind of rubbed off on us. You know, Jimmy's one of those guys where no matter what you do, he's going to find a way to spin it and make it positive. Like you, you could 
completely mess up and cause a goal, and he'll say something like, "Oh, like wait around his bench hard or good chase." You know, he he doesn't ever nag on you when you're down. He keeps it positive. He keeps it light. Uh, and he was just kind of like trying to get that instilled in our head, and you know, I think that helped a lot. We played a lot more free. I mean, I can speak on the offensive end. We're just free, and I know how many times we had smiles on our face the last few games. You know, just you know, doing stuff that we weren't normally doing and just being creative and, and having a lot of fun. And I think it translated to some success for us. Why do you think the offense did start to pop off at the end there where, you know, the ball was falling a lot more? I don't know. I think a lot of it is just, I don't know if you say luck, but the amount of shots we were putting up throughout the beginning of the year and just the ball wasn't going for us. So, um, I mean, some of it had to do with us maybe not being focusing on the details and, you know, shooting the ball well enough, but, I mean, not a lot changed. I think we kind of just dialed it in and played more relaxed once things took over. I don't know if that had to do with, you know, we were kind of playing with house money at the end of the year, but uh, we definitely got things going. The chemistry was there. Uh, we were all on the same page. I think moving mess up is kind of nice. You know, having that big body that can set picks is, is always a positive. And then Josh started to get going. Dan was pretty consistent all year. So, yeah, I think we just kept going and, you know, had a lot of fun out there, and I think that made a difference with our preparation and our, our pregame practices. We were just a lot more free, and and it, it paid off in the game. How happy do you think teams in the West are that they don't have to face you this year in the playoffs? Because I, I know there was players on other teams who were crossing their fingers and toes you guys wouldn't sneak in. Yeah, I think maybe 10, 12 games in, teams probably weren't concerned with us, but then I think after we turned around and you know, showed the league that we still are good and won those last four games against against four good teams. So, yeah, I think teams are definitely happy, especially in the West, because uh, we definitely would not be an easy out. Not that not that anyone is in the in the playoffs, but I think we would have been tough. And you know, getting our stride at the end of the year, we would have been we would have been a team to I think make a run. And you know, kind of that's the part that sucks for us is we know that we have a you know a championship caliber team, and we just we didn't put it together this year and we've been fortunate in the past five, six, seven years that we've, we've, we've put together better years and, and made runs. So, you know, I guess this year just wasn't our time, but you know, we'll be back and we're motivated, more motivated than ever for, for next season. When you look back at your personal season, where's your high note? What game, what moment do you look back on and say, yep, that was the best part of the 2022 season for me. Personally, probably the Colorado game. Um, we hadn't been winning. On, I mean, I thought maybe that would be a, a win that would have kind of put together a winning streak, but then I think we went and lost two or three in a row. So we didn't really build on that, but just getting the win at, at home and it, it was a pretty good crowd and the overtime win and they were going nuts. So I think that was my first overtime winner. So it was nice to, to get the win in, on home soil. And that was against a, a really good Colorado team. So, I mean, personally, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not one to focus on personal achievements, but if that was one, I guess that would be it. Well, if there's a time to do it, it's the off season on a podcast, Bobby. So we are going to talk about yeah. that, of course. And you lit up Wardo too. So uh, I mean, not a bad goalie to have a five goal night with an OT winner on. Yeah, he's uh, he's an incredible goalie, and you know, I think my money for I guess all the goalies are good in the West, but uh, Ward and Del Bianco are kind of. Tough to beat, so I wouldn't be surprised. Or I guess there's not that many teams to choose from. But my money would be on one of those teams coming out of the West, and especially with Calgary playing so well recently, and they're they're so well coached by Milosky. Uh I think a repeat for them is definitely in the cards too. 
So what you're saying, if I can read between the lines here, is that Frankie's easy to score on for you? No, if you look at my goals this year against San Diego, they're probably the probably the lowest of the three. He's another good goalie, but I mean those those two are on another level, I think, with Wardle and Del Bianco. But Frankie definitely has it in him to steal some games and, and take them on a bit of a run too. Well, let's see. And then who is Higgins? Higgins is the other goalie, I guess, in the West now. Yeah, not as familiar with him, but. He's, I mean, obviously he's a good goalie. The East is a, is a wagon. So yeah, that's, I mean, that Higgins kids come a long way in Philly too. So it's weird because everyone talks about lacrosse and maybe you can speak to this too, just with some of the guys you see over summer league is when expansion comes up, everyone talks about, Oh, there's not going to be enough goalies. Like there's not enough goalies or quality goaltenders in the league. Is that kind of just a myth that's worn its time out? Because it seems like there's a lot of good young guys coming through the systems now. Yeah, I don't know. I think the hardest part about goaltending this league is consistency. So guys can come in and maybe win a game or two, but to put together a full 18-game season like, you know, Dylan and Christian and Frankie and some of those guys out east like Vince, is, it's tough. Um, yeah, you see it with, like, with, with our goalies. I mean, some of them, they'll have good games and uh, they'll have bad games. But, I mean, that's like anyone, offensive guys too. So I think there are a lot of good goalies out there, but being consistent is tough. So, I mean, like, you look at our goalies, I think, you know, Dunker's uh, the third string. He came in, got a win for us, played awesome. Shooter got wins for us this year. Uh, you know, Benny got wins for us. I think we could have thrown Lane in there. Lane probably would get a win for us, too. So, I think, yeah, it's, it's maybe there is a little more depth than people think, but uh, I think those top teams, the teams that win championships, they got to they gotta have one of the top goalies in the league. Well, fans are interested. What did you see from Rushka then in just the last couple of practices and weeks you got to shoot on him? Yeah, he's good. He's he's a young kid. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of NLL experience, so I mean, he's only going to get better. But yeah, he he seemed like he's uh, he's one of those guys that he wants to be good, and you know, he was taking all the shots that he needed to, and you know, kind of if anyone was out there ready to shoot, he would take them. And I think that's the, the attitude you need to have as a young goalie is that the more rubber you're going to get, the better you're going to you're going to be. So it was good to see that out of him. He's got a good attitude, and yeah, he, he's a big body. He covers some net, and I think he's only going to get better with time and you know, more practices and, you know, hopefully, uh, I don't know how expansion drafts and all that works, but hopefully we get to stick, stick, uh, stick with them. What was it like for you? I know we talked after the penny trade, but just, you know, getting a guy on your team that you're familiar with from out West, like what was it like playing with pen dog this year? Yeah, Penny was great. Uh, he's, he's a, he's a good kid. Um, I played with him in Burnaby for quite a few years. Had, he had some success there. Um, but yeah, I think penny kind of was, a result of some not very good Vancouver teams. So, I mean, I was excited for him to, to get on a, a team with us and, you know, he got some wins. Unfortunately, uh, he kind of got to us when we weren't playing our best lacrosse, but it had nothing to do with the way he was playing. So once again, I don't know how the expansion will work, but I mean, I hope we can keep all the goalies, but I, I highly doubt that someone's not going to pick either, you know, Penny or shooter off our roster because both of them are, are definitely starting goalies in this league. And, you know, that's exactly what Vegas is going to need. Well, I hate to break it to you, but I think you can only protect one. Although uh, maybe maybe my math is wrong, but I think if uh, history tells us something, it's you can only protect one in the expansion draft. Hey, what was it like for you seeing a guy like Jeff Shatler go out of the league just on his retirement tour this year? You know, played in a meaningful game right up until the end where he had a six-point night at home. Yeah, Shatler's, uh, Shatler's awesome. Um, beginning of my career, I wasn't a big fan of him because we were playing him in Calgary so often and he's, he crushed our season, uh, 
couple times. The guy's clutch. He scored some massive goals against us. He was always a dagger in our side, and you know he's, he's a great player. I mean, uh, he's kind of converted to more of an old guy at the end of his career, but he was awesome for us. 2018, he came in, fit right in with the the left side in our offense. You know, had an unreal championship series. Got the MVP and was a massive part of us winning. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm forever grateful for him joining our team. And, you know, it was awesome to get to play with one of the, the league's greats who's, who's no doubt a, you know, a Hall of Famer first balloter. So uh, getting to play that that last season with him and, you know, see him, um, seeing him, uh, you know, right off in the sunset was, was pretty awesome. And like you said, up until the, the San Diego game, he was pretty dynamite. And, I'm, I mean, obviously it's a personal decision for him because if he – wanted to keep playing in this league, there's no doubt he could. From a team perspective, Robert, what do you hope changes? What do you want to see changed going into next season to, you know, the, the point where you're happy and saying, all right, fresh slate, we're hitting the ground running again? Yeah, I mean, not a lot. I mean, if you would ask me that question six weeks ago, it probably would have a different answer. But, I mean, the way things have gone the last four weeks have been have been pretty great. I mean, our dress room's been Awesome. And, you know, even though we were having a, a bit of a struggle throughout the year, I mean, the guys in our room have always been tight and, you know, we were never going against each other. We were always, you know, hanging out and having a great time together. Our room was always a fun place to be. So for the last four weeks, have just been incredible and it kind of sucks the season at the end. But yeah, I honestly, I don't know what kind of changes next year. I mean, obviously we're going to have a new O coach. So um, be curious to see who that is. Um, but I'm sure whoever, whoever jammer and, you know, Jimmy get the other pick is, is going to be awesome. But, but yeah, I just hope we can, we can get to training camp and, you know, kind of keep things rolling from where we ended off instead of having to, you know, start back from square one in training camp and reteach. So hopefully we just, you know, build off what we've, what we've built at these last four weeks. Well then with your personal game, where, where do you hope to improve over summer? Yeah. I mean, you can always get in better shape. So that's going to be one of the things play summer ball and then, Work hard in training camp, maybe get a little quicker, a little faster, a little stronger. I mean, nothing will ever hurt. I'm getting getting older, so the more time spent in the gym is uh, definitely beneficial. Well, we'll dive into summer ball and, and all that as well. But I got to ask, and the fans would be uh, knocking on my doors if I didn't. What's the pitch to some of these UFAs this summer? I mean, are you talking to them saying, hey, we'd love to have you back, obviously? Do you just let Jammer do his thing or or what? Because there's obviously a few key names that Saskatchewan would love to have back with Rush Nation next year. Oh, yeah, that already that already started uh, after the game Saturday. I think, guys, we started drinking. We're kind of making sure we were telling them that they, we hope they come back. But I don't know. We, I have such a good relationship with, with all those guys played together so long, had so much success. So whatever they choose is, is, you know, it's up to them. And it's, I, I know whatever they choose, it's in their best interest for their family and themselves. It's nothing, you know, against the rush organization. Cause you know, it's not our, we're not professional hockey players. We're not making millions of dollars. So whatever their decisions are is for their family and the benefit of their life. So whatever they choose is, you know, I'm fine with, but obviously we'd love to have them all back, but yeah, it's up to, up to them. And, you know, I'm curious to see what happens, but uh, I know they'll make the best choice. So you're saying 1 a.m. in the bars in Dallas, you're pitching to them like you're on Shark Tank talking to Mark Cuban or what? Uh, not quite. <laughs> I don't even, yeah. No, no, it's it's all good. Yeah, it's all yeah. good. What's what's summer look like for you then? I mean, who are you playing? You you're, you're just got traded in summer ball. Is that that's correct? Yeah, I got traded to Langley. Okay, okay, so just uh, a little closer drive or further drive. What's the change for you? 
nothing's really uh, too far in BC for summer ball except for the island. So nothing different. Uh, Burnaby was my previous team. They kind of decided they were going a lot younger, and then you know we kind of mutually decided that kind of moved me somewhere where who's trying to win now with uh, you know me getting older and you know, Langley's kind of trying to make a run for a man cup this year. So I mean they got uh, Dobie's on the team, Dixon, uh, Frankie's in that, Connor Robinson. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty good squad. Got some good D guys too. So yeah, there's some potential there in the summer. Geez, that doesn't sound like fun at all. Who, who, like, yeah. do, you, do you think that the the West has got a better chance now with the new PLL rule? Like that those guys can't be playing. You know, you can't be playing for the Peterborough Lakers and also, you know, playing in the PLL. Like, does that help the West that much more? But uh, I'm not too sure. I mean, you have to see who's playing and and whatnot. Like, I mean, like I said, we got Dixon. So if he's playing PLL, then I guess that kind of takes him off our roster. So I mean, that's a massive hit. Dixon, you know, in my opinion one of the you know best players in the world he's incredible he's one of those guys i got to play with in the world a couple of years ago so looking forward to playing a little more with him if, if he's able to and then Dobie, same thing so at least you know Dobie will be there so hopefully they're allowed to play i mean our games are wednesday night so who knows i guess it'll be up to them to figure out but i think the west might have a better chance but these they got so many good players too that they'll be able to feel a pretty nasty roster so Regardless, it's going to be tough in the West or in the East or if we get to the man. So, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to it because I haven't really had any playoff success or even come close to a man cup. So it'd be nice to have a, a run at, you know, one of those and hopefully have some playoff success. What would a man cup mean to you then? Like, obviously you've won NLL championships. What would a man cup be? Like, you know, what, what can you really compare that to or where would you rank that in your, you know, career accomplishments? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, to me, I like I'd rather win another NLL championship, but you know, some people the Man Cup is the end all be all. But uh, is, I don't it bigger, know is it bigger than Worlds? Is it bigger than the the World Championship with Canada? I don't know. It's, I think it'll <laughs> kind of depend on how it goes. If if there's, I mean, the World was pretty incredible. That was you know personal accomplishment to make Team Canada and you know win a gold medal. But some of the cross would be hard to tell because I mean, if you win a Man Cup with you know, all these guys not playing. I mean, does it really mean as much? You're not really playing the best competition. So, you know, it's hard to tell. I think it would be incredible to, to win one. And I haven't had a lot of success with, uh, you know, Burnaby in the past in the summer. So, I mean, just getting to, you know, compete for having the chance to would be pretty incredible. And, you know, I'd love to have a rank up. You got to play on some real turf in Langley now. So you're set. You're, you're set. You're, your knees are going to yeah. be feeling great after the summer. Yeah, we had the wood in Burnaby, so... That was okay for the knees, but the turf is uh, definitely a little an improvement. Bobby, this has been a blast, man. Hey, appreciate everything this season. Best of luck this summer and summer ball, and uh, we'll see you in the fall. Sounds good. Thank you. Appreciate it. Great conversations, great stories, and even better people. It's Cody Jansen here, Voice of the Rush, with you on the Rush Hour podcast presented by Original 16. Well, those are fun interviews, but also, what, what a season it was. You know, we could have been looking back at this season four and ten, packed it in, could have just been like, well, this sucks, didn't start off great, things are terrible, and and pout and complain. But instead, I think there's a lot of positives going into next season. Not that you need me to explain. I mean, Derek Keenan went through all the prospects. Like, that pool is awesome. Some of the up-and-comers are great. And I think when you look at the expansion draft this year, 
maybe you're not losing as big of an impactful player. Maybe this team is going to be in better shape than some other teams come next season for a change. Plus, you bringing up some prospects who are having great college seasons. I think of Jake Boudreaux and Ryan Barnable as guys who are going to step into the lineup and make an immediate impact on this team. So I'm looking forward to it. Again, huge thanks to Robert Church for hopping on as well. Boy, his season just keeps getting better. Hope he can have a great summer ball year as well. We'll be watching for Langley as they make a push for a Man Cup this year. But everyone, to all the fans, to all the people who make the podcast possible, thank you. Without the great listeners, without Rush Nation, none of this is possible. If you want to connect with me over the season, I'm on Twitter at Janner on PXP. Again, please get all those questions in. We'll answer it. We'll have some fun. I know we're going to be talking with you this season because it's going to be a busy one. That's going to do it. Another edition of the Rush Hour Podcast presented by Original 16. Have a great offseason. And, I mean, you can enjoy the playoffs, I guess. (laughs) 